Cross Point Baptist Church, I would say good morning. Would you please stand for the presentation of the colors? Cross Point Baptist Church, would you join me in the singing of our national anthem? Would you now join together as we recite the Pledge of Allegiance to our flag? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, liberty and justice. Those in attendance, I would, uh, you're invited to be seated for a moment. <clears throat> we want to take this time and thank the Union Township Color Guard. They are accredited um, and award-winning, actually. And I'm sure they've had bigger venues. And at the same time, they've may perhaps done smaller venues. But the point is, we appreciate them faithfully and consistently, considering Cross Point Baptist Church and with uh, the passion and the detail, the effort and energy they give to us. We thank you, men, for your time. I'm gonna take a few moments here and answer a question. Now, <clears throat> especially to our, our Bible Quest children that are out here, our kids and teens, 20 and 30 year olds, I really want you to consider this question. I was probably about uh, that age when I had to, to come to a truthful answer myself. I've always heard that men and women in our armed forces, and they went and, and fought for our freedom. And yeah, I kind of knew what that meant, but didn't really feel that. I'm going to answer that question now. How is it that men and women are fighting for our freedom? If we could make it more personal, the four men we're going to honor here in just a little bit. Kurt Thompson, Jake Thompson, Juan Flores, and Johnny Prem. The answer is actually simple, but perhaps it's also forgotten. There is an oath that <clears throat> our military takes, and by the way, our police officers take a similar oath as well. It's an oath of office. Now, I'm going to read this oath of office that our military uh, uh, the oath that they receive. When our uh, veterans of Cross Point Baptist Church come up here in just a little bit, these men have taken this oath in some form or fashion. And it reads like this. 
I, state your name, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice, so help me God. Now, within our Constitution, we have amendments, and I want to read the First Amendment. So this is an allegiance goes to the First Amendment as well. It reads, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or, <clears throat> or the freedom of speech or the freedom of press or the right of the people to peaceably, peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. Here's the point. The oath to support and defend the Constitution, which includes the First Amendment, is how they are fighting for our freedoms. What's that mean? As it relates to Cross Point Baptist Church, the freedom to establish this religion and to exercise thereof. We're able to meet this morning. Amen? We're able to meet, and we do not want to forget. We do not want to dishonor their efforts as well. So that is how we are, uh, young men and women are fighting for our freedom. That's how people that are even retiring out of military fight for our freedoms as well, as it relates to Cross Point Baptist Church. Now, that's just one of many of the amendments and attributes, but that's the one that perhaps stands out the strongest to us. And again, we want to thank the, the uh, Union Township Police Department and these four men. And <clears throat> they, have, again, have taken a similar oath uh, to that very uh, uh, promise as well. So at this time, I'm going to ask the color guard to re retire the colors, and then they'll be released. Cross Point Baptist Church, can we show appreciation for the color guard this morning with a round of applause? <clears throat> Getting to know these men year after year, they, uh, we were small talking out there a little earlier. They thought that maybe this festival was for them. I don't know. All kinds of things going on. As we take this time every year, we take the time to honor, um, of course, individuals. We put a spotlight on one, but we never want to forget. This is very special to us and, and to you to be able to share our love, um, not only for our veterans, but for the veterans across Point Baptist Church. If you're watching on Facebook this morning, perhaps you're a veteran and you aren't able to be here. <clears throat> what we do uh, traditionally is we play a song called the Armed Forces Medley. And when you hear your branch of military, we're asking you if you served in the military at any length of time, uh, and if you would come up and stand up and come up front and stand in line as these five branches of the military are played. If you're not able to make the walk up, if you would, please stand where you are. Uh, but we do want to thank you and show our appreciation to the veterans of, <coughs> of Cross Point Baptist Church. So. Uh, Brad, if you would, play the Armed Force Medley as we give our men a chance to come forward. Down the marching on the bike 
Coast Guard. Point Baptist Church, these are the veterans that represent our church through over the years. Let's tell them thank you. <laughs> church, you may be seated. I'm going to ask you men to stand here for a moment. Pastor Roger is going to we have a little token of appreciation. Every year we try to give a little gift to say in a tangible way. <clears throat> and um, this year um, uh, it's a can cooler with our church name on it, uh, thanking you for your service. And we want to also, um, there's something that we can't ignore, and that is that over the years our men mainly men, it was, I think, all men. I think one time we had a, a female up here that had served, that <clears throat> this stage used to be full. And a lot of that is because of the institution of the draft, when they, you didn't have a whole lot of choice. Uh, but, and of course, we're an all-volunteer army. I will be talking about that in just a moment. But we thank these men for their service. Now, also keeping in typical cross-point fashion, I did want to point one thing out. I know it's been a long time since some of these men have served, but Larry Wheeler, you came up during the Coast Guard, but you served under the Army. <laughs> Whose side were you on during that little kick up? Every year, I usually take the time, and um, almost every year, and put a spotlight on one man of our church. And um, as I went through my files and looking it over, I've, I've covered so many of these guys and getting to uh, know them and their stories. There's one thing that stood out uh, that they all said. There was a brotherhood of when you serve together. And <clears throat> going to different places and hearing and sitting down and hearing the stories. I know stories on the, the bulk of these men up here um, that uh, it made me get closer to them. 
You know, there's one time just a couple years ago that was real dear to me is when uh, John and Mike, John Breaker and Mike Throckmorton, um, we went up to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Those two are our Air Force. They have a kinship with the KC-135, and all of a sudden, I'm everywhere I look, I'm seeing this just plane and watching these two, and uh, they hit a certain era of when they served, and it, it got a little quieter, a little bit more reverent. Uh, I saw that. Very moving. Remember years ago, I shared with Joe Vance uh, during the Korean War. It got a little bit more reverent. What am I saying? That these times and, and moments are very special, but also it's what I alluded to earlier. It's that pledge to our country. It's the oath to uphold, to be able to, uh, for, to, to have a freedoms. We have to be careful that those are not eroded, but we also have to be careful to honor those that have given their lives so that we're able to do this. I know it's cliche. I know we hear it all the time, but it doesn't mean it's any less important. Do not let familiarity make you mediocrity in your patriotism. So I would, uh, again, uh, say thank you to the men in front of me. Uh, <clears throat> as the Crosspoint gives you applaud one more time, men, you may join your families as we say thank you. This year, I have decided to um, share the four young men of Cross Point Baptist Church that are serving currently, active military. So um, we gathered some information, and you know these four names. And we also wanted to, even though they, they can't be here, literally can't be here, they're serving. We're, we're honoring them uh, to say thank you to them. Perhaps they're watching on Facebook. But there's another reason. It's to encourage them. It's too, because listen, they've given their life and they need encouragement along the way as well. I'm going to tell you how you can encourage them in just a little bit. Jake Thompson, his second lieutenant, actually is his um, uh, rank, is a maintenance flight commander at Yokota. Am I saying that right, Ann? Yokota um, Air Base in Tokyo, Japan. So he's probably on a different time frame than we are right now, maybe even on a different day. But uh, hopefully he's able to watch as Ann, mom, and dad share this with him, that uh, he will know that Crosspoint is thinking of him and caring for him as well. Next picture is Johnny Prem. <clears throat> Give me one second. Johnny, Johnny Prem is, um, the last time I saw him, he was cleaning a gun in his dad's living room. The Johnny Prem right now, um, uh, he's focused on his responsibilities of his current enlistment. His plans beyond this point are to be determined. Um, he is in Fort Bragg right now. Is that correct, Dan? Yes, that's what I'm making sure. That's where Johnny's at. And the next we're going to honor today is Juan Flores. Juan, uh, when I, I had texted him, I said, Juan, I need a picture for our military um, for honoring you and the vet, and I think he was marching and just went with his camera and sent it. I'm pretty certain that's how that went down. But he said, my future plans are to stay in the military and finish off my 20 years. He's looking to retire in the military and then go into law enforcement as well. And then our last one for today is, <clears throat> in fact, when I got this picture, Ann, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was Jake again. I didn't realize that was Kurt. I had to get a little closer. And his picture is from a closet. <laughs> Kurt is a student at West Point Prep School in West Point, New York. And of course, in school, it's hard to know your plans. This is his first year in school. So these four men have uh, chosen this path. They've chosen, perhaps to them, it's a calling. That's between them and the Lord. But I would also want to let you know, so what can we do other than putting, putting their pictures up here, saying we're going to pray for them? What can we do? Last year, Lori Prem started this, and it was kind of the first year. We wasn't sure how to do it or what to do, but she asked to do it again this year. I think it's a phenomenal idea. She's offered to receive 
Christmas cards. Now, I didn't talk to her in detail, but maybe even care packages. If you wanted to send to one of our four men, we'll make sure they get there. And Lori will spearhead that. So we're going to have a place somewhere in the lobby for you to drop off cards, perhaps a gift, perhaps a care package of one of these four men. And we will make sure that it'll get there. Now, uh, be watching for uh, a date, um, a, a date when we can no longer receive things because these things have to ship quite a far distance. So there's one thing to give platitudes of patriotism to these four men, but it's another thing to put some action behind our words. They need encouragement. They need to know that people are uh, supporting them as they can consider putting their lives on, on the line for our country. So that's the four that we want to honor today. And I know that they're not here, but if you could, can we give them a round of applause saying thank you to our color guard. <clears throat> the one thing we haven't done is had a word of prayer. So if we could have a word of prayer now and then uh, Brad's going to come and receive our offering as well. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for allowing us to start our service in this manner. There are those that would say, well, that's not what church is about. Churches, churches around the world, they, they, patriotism has its place, but not in a church. Lord, as we understand our Constitution and the First Amendment, we are grateful, so grateful for that document that allows us to open your word freely, to give and share freely your grace, your message, and your love. We need to give honor to that principle of our country. So welcome us today as we uh, will be opening your word and translating all this to our spiritual life. But Lord, we need you so dearly and desperately in our life. May that need be met today as we honor people. But now we want to turn our attention to you and honor you. Thank you for allowing BQ in here. Thank you for the teens being attentive and serving unto your cause. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. I'll ask the ushers to come forward as we prepare to collect the offering. I want to turn your attention to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. It says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. The Bible has a lot to say about warfare, has a lot to say about battling good and evil, but it also has a lot to say that if you're going to win that battle, you have to be disciplined. You have to be ready to sacrifice like a soldier. As we collect this offering today, I pray that you will have a, an attitude of disengaging from normal life, focusing on the things of the Lord, being ready to serve him, whatever the sacrifice may call for. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to give. As we collect this offering, I pray that it will be used to preach the gospel to every creature. We have a fall festival today to preach the gospel to every creature. We have an opportunity to share the gospel with every creature. Help us to do that in a way that honors you. And we'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. It is a very special way to start our service. It's one of my favorite times of the year uh, to be able to start that way. <clears throat> as we, um, as, and it's also good to see so many young men serving this morning in our church. In fact, it, 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 I wanted to put this on crosstalk, but we do, I do need to mention it now. So we are having our Thanksgiving banquet the Tuesday before Thanksgiving right here at Cross Point Baptist Church. There will be a sign-up sheet. We need that number so we can best plan and prepare. 
But in order to do that, as we historically have done, we receive a special offering for Thanksgiving. So at the end of today's service and for the next three Sundays, we'll be receiving a special offering for the Thanksgiving banquet. So uh, somebody asked me just the other day, like, hey, what's that, what do you think that costs per person? So I did some rough math on that, and it ends up being about $8 per person. Now, where can you go for 8 bucks and get a meal like you get right here at our Thanksgiving banquet? But again, I'm not here to sell it like that. It's not the point. And don't show up with a coupon. That doesn't work. <laughs> what we're asking is uh, for a special offering uh, to offset that cost. Now, the other thing you're going to hear me say week after week is this. So Pastor Roger will be receiving it at the very end of today's service. Also, once you hear me say this, why do we do what we do? That is a great question to ask a church. It's a great question to ask yourself. You ever been doing something like, why am I doing this? Um, I, I was, the, the time I'm running with Ben and Andrew Bovey, Ben, we're out there running. And there's, there comes a point, because these guys are a third of my age, I go, why am I doing this? We forget the why. Why, are we having, why do we have Thanksgiving banquet? Pastor Roger, we were talking about this, and he reminded me, it originally started for the leaders serving the church to say thank you. To say we, you're not overlooked as a member of our church. Sometimes we, uh, as church members, and even in our own families, we take each other for granted. Do we do that in our, in our lives, in our families? Sure. You won't admit it, but we do. And we want to be careful not to do that in church family as well. So that's the origin. That's, 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 we want to get back to that for this year so that we remind it. So first it's for saying thank you to the church member. It's coming together under one roof, under one table, so to speak. And then it's also inviting friends and family hence to sign up so we the best know how to plan. So, uh, again, we'll be receiving that second offering at the end of today's service and the next three Sundays following. Brad mentioned our Fall Fest uh, that will fire up today, 3 to 6. Now, that is definitely an outreach. It is a chance for you to serve. It's, a, it's so much fun serving. But it's also a chance to come and, and meet people and greet people from our community. We have the horse drawn carriage. We got the bouncy house. Uh, Jewel, I checked. There's no age limit on the bouncy house. <laughs> but there is, a, a, I think, a weight, a, a, a weight limit. We got to be careful of weight limit. But um, the, uh, we have all kinds of activities. That's what all is going on out there. Why are we doing that? It's to let people know who we are, where we are, whose we are. That's the key. That's the key. So today as we talk about, think about veteran service, I'm going to take this time and make a, a parallel. Every year at, in November, I usually study. I don't know if study is probably not the best word. Sometimes I study, but I usually look into one of the periods of wars that our country's been in. And uh, I did it again this last week when I was under the weather. I took some time, watched some documentaries just to feel a little bit, if I could, and understand uh, what veterans go through, some by choice, some by not by choice. But it, it parallels perfectly when someone's in a battle. There's so many parallels that we can relate to our spiritual life. I don't know if you want to realize this or recognize this, or maybe you recognize it and now you just feel defeated. But you are in a battle. You're probably in more than one battle. See, but there's a difference between a battle and a war. You can win and lose battles, but the war is what needs to be won. <clears throat> I want to relate our veteran service. We're kind of putting that on pause on that now. And we want to move to the Bible. In Judges chapter 6, I've shared this portion of scripture in years past on veteran service. But it's Judges chapter 6 that we want to see some, some parallels between Old Testament Israel. In fact, this is what Pastor Rick and I was sharing in, uh, in Bible Quest this morning. I absolutely, turn to Judges chapter 6 while I tell you a story. I love telling stories. I absolutely love teaching with Pastor Rick. I, 
we, me and this dude, we, we've done it for years, and then we've had 20 years apart, because we see each other, but we talk, but we're not teaching together. So I go in Bible Quest once a month, and now they're, uh, we, only, we used to have an hour, 45 minutes. Well, now it's down to 30 minutes because uh, they're practicing. The crew is practicing for Christmas. They got a Christmas thing coming up, program. So we got all this material, and, and we got to know what to teach. Hit the big idea, and we only had 30 minutes. And I got everything from Brooke to uh, a sixth grader in there. And you're like, how do you keep all this balance? Pastor Rick and I, it was like it was 1992 all over, man. I loved it. The way he, he would look at me, i look at him, and we knew right where to go, when to go, and time's ticking, and we're making it pop, and he would give me that look like you're done. So uh, I, I absolutely love it. I love the direction. He always, every, don't ever doubt your child over there not learning a biblical principle. Amen. That's at the forefront. It's not secondary. It's not, we don't play and then, oh yeah, here, Jesus loves you. That is not what we do there. But we do it age appropriate. Even this morning, he took this complicated series, it's a curriculum, and we whittled that thing down to the very point we're making today. It talks about Amos. And how Amos over there was talking about Amos was there. You know, he's one of the only, one of the rare prophets that explained his life before God called him in the ministry. One of the rare Old Testament prophets. And I said Amos, of course, I think of famous Amos cookies. But, so I had trouble focusing. Amos, Amos, the, that guy. And as we're talking about Amos, he was giving a warning. Israel was warned and warned and warned. And we asked the kids, is warnings good or bad? Like, well, warnings are bad. Something bad could happen. True, don't touch the hot stove, why? Right, it could burn you, that would be bad. But are warnings good? And we took the time and shared that, and the answer is, warnings are great. I like warnings. <clears throat> God gives fair warning to Israel time and time, and then his patience, and then his grace, and time and time again. But there also came a time when God said, You've been, you're not getting him, the warnings are over. This is going to happen. We're studying Revelation on Wednesday night, four chapters deep. There's warnings already, warnings, warnings. This is going to happen in the book of Revelation. What do we need to do is heed the warning. So I want you to look in Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, I'm going to read the first 10 verses, and we're going to pull out uh, one point is the reality, the reality. Judges chapter 6. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the, hands, into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian <clears throat> prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for, them, made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had shown, shown, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of their earth as far as Gaza and leave no substance of Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, uh, coming in as numerous as locusts, both number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. Verse 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, and it came to pass. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, and the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Israel and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppress you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. <clears throat> How did this happen? How did they get to this spot? It's simple and it's right there in verse one. Look at what it says. Children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They made that choice. They made that choice. They did evil. God is patient. Would you agree with that? 
God is loving. You agree with that? And God is grace. But God is just. Would you agree with that? Ooh, that's a tough one. We like, we love the patient. He's patient to me. He's loving to me and he shows his grace. But ah, man, that's just. Can't you just be just for them but still be loving for me? Doesn't work that way, does it? On the wall in Bible Quest, it has the attributes of God. Holy, holy. One of the words that Pastor Rick pointed to today was just. He will judge sin. This is the Old Testament Israel's pattern. Is it your pattern in your life? They love God. They chose to sin. They love sin. God must deal with sin. Okay? Sounds like us quite a bit. Where was Old Testament Israel? Look in verse 2, we see, and again, if you remember, going back just, I think, two years ago was the last time we looked at this portion of Scripture. You're going to see where they were right in the middle of that verse. The children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountain. They were hiding. They were hiding from the enemy. <clears throat> they were not in their comfort zone. When you're hiding, and we don't know what that is. In America, 2022, hiding is this pulling our curtain shut. We don't know what it is to lose everything and to take what little bit you have and to go and survive. That's surviving is what they were doing because of the oppression of the enemy. Here's the point. When you do evil in the sight of the Lord, here, could you imagine what our lives are like if, 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 from a nation and or a personal standpoint, when we go, God, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. And God goes, okay, hands off. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like with God. And even at that, God's hands are still there because they're not dead. They're not dead. Their livelihood was destroyed and they couldn't survive. Look at verse 3. So it was whenever Israel had, had shown a sown. The Midianites would come up, the Amalekites and the people in the east would come up against them, and they would encamp them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza. They couldn't even get anything going. They couldn't, they couldn't run down to the store. They, they were trying to grow things just to get any kind of substance, and it wasn't going to happen because whatever they planted, whatever germinated, whatever started to grow, the enemy took. And they left no substance for Israel, Israel neither sheep nor ox nor donkey, all the way down to verse 4. Look at verse 5. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents and commanding and numerous as locusts, though they, uh, they and their camels were without number, they would enter the land to destroy it. And this went on for years and years. That was their reality. For us, 2022, on this day, what is the reality of your heart relationship with our creator. We need to come to the reality, not fake reality, not false reality, not what we can see, touch, and feel. We think that is reality. I'll never forget a guy at work one time years ago. He said, I don't know about the God thing. He goes, I believe in what I can see, touch, and feel. Now, just think about that for a moment. Only what I can see, touch, and feel. Well, what you can have, I, you can have it in your hands one day, can be gone the next. That disappeared. What you can see, touch, and feel is sometimes an inanimate object that has no communication with you. There's those two points right there. If you put your faith in Christ, he said, A, you, I, I am yours and you are mine. You will know me and <clears throat> I will never leave you. But as, as uh, the reality of where we are within our heart, you know what, I, the older I get, the more I realize how little control you have of things. How little we really own at the end of the day. There is the reality of our heart. Here's my question for you. What's the reality of your heart condition before our God? Please. If you need that, that time, you need that one-on-one, -on -one, you may be shocked and surprised if you were to reach out to your LifePoint Bible study group leader, leader and say, I don't know the 
condition of my heart right now. You may think that we sit down and hit over the head with the Bible. That's not what we do. We have a conversation. Let us help. You got to listen. Sometimes we don't know where we are. That's why we go to self-helps. That's why you go to a personal trainer. That's why we go to all these other things, because we don't know where we are or where we're headed. Please reach out to your LifePoint Bible study group leader. But in Israel's situation, this is the reality. They're living in caves. They're hiding for their lives. I'm sure there's death around them. There's nothing, uh, no tangible means. The second is this. There's a reckoning that happens. In verse 6, the very back, back part of verse 6, as it relates to them and our spiritual lives. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. They cried out. They didn't say, oh God, I'm going to make a prayer here. Um, yeah, my life's a wreck. If you could fix it real quick, um, that'd be good. And I think I pray in Jesus' name. And I prayed. Pastor Scott, I prayed about that. Is that crying out? That's not crying out. That's falling upon him. That's falling. That's, that's giving up on yourself and laying before him to say, I'm, I'm crying out at the end of verse 6. That's what the nation did. Not just individuals, but a people group. I would call Cross Point Baptist Church. Let me ring that bell this morning. I think it's been a while since we as a people group have cried out to our God. But what makes us cry out? A need. It's a need. And when all of our felt needs are met, well, then perhaps we don't need to cry out as much. But when we look in our heart, there's reason for us to cry out. We get wayward so quick. But we look at the reckoning. What does the word reckoning mean? It means to settle the accounts. There's a reckoning that has to happen. <clears throat> Israel cried out to the Lord. To cry out to the Lord was more than, it's more than an emotional plea. The word means to cry out for help from the heart. You ever been in a situation, I've been there on both ends of this illustration. You ever been in the water and thought you were going to drown? That's crying out. That's what it is to cry out. I've been in there and had to help somebody, and I've been on the other end of that too, not thinking I was going to make it back to the other side. And I'm panicked. When you start to panic, you start to do things that you normally wouldn't do. Your mind starts racing 100 miles an hour. That's the kind of crying out. If your life feels like that, cry out. Cry out. It's a cry from, from pain or fear. And by the way, not like they would do in the New Testament example where they would pay people to cry for them. That'd be nice. But if I was going to pay somebody to do something for me, it wouldn't be to cry. It'd be go to the doctor, go to the dentist. They could do that stuff for me. That'd be great. But there was a reckoning. There was a reckoning that's taking place. Verse 7 through 9, and it came to pass when the children of Israel cried to the Lord because of the Midianites. And the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt and brought you up by the house of bondage. There was a reminder. That prophet is a proclaimer. He's reminding them of their history with God, or more, more specifically God's history. Look in verse 9. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. In other words, God's going, remember me? Through this prophet, God is reminding them to remember me. For you, let me be the prophet today if I could. You remember your lostness as a believer? You remember what it was to be lost? Don't forget that. Don't forget from whence you were saved. Be reminded of what God did in your life, if indeed he's done that work. Be careful you do not become bored with God or God's timing. That's the thing that I probably struggle with the most when it comes to prayer life. It's not the prayer. It's the timing thereof. I always mess up the timing because it's in his hands, not my expectations. It's tough. It is very, very tough. He's not only the God of the past, he's the God of the present as well. Listen to these words. Verse 8, God brought bondage in verse 8. I delivered in verse 9. All who oppress you in verse 9 drove them out in verse 9. 
This is the exact same situation they find themselves as their forefathers. Why is Israel so hard to learn the lessons of the past? Why are we so hard to learn the lessons of yesterday? Of, why is it so hard for us to grab a hold and learn of the warning of being distant from our God? Well, God's going to reckon this account. Anytime I used to see that word reckon, I thought it was just a Kentucky hillbilly term. Well, I reckon. That's not what that word means in this context. Reckon, the setting of accounts. God said, he is Lord. Amen? Amen. He is Lord in verse 10. Look at it. Also, I say to you, I am the Lord your God. Listen to how personal that is. Is he your Lord? Is he the number one? That's enough. Isn't that awesome? Look in verse 10. There's not a whole lot more to come. I am the Lord. He's enough. He's more than enough is the better way to phrase that. Don't fear their gods. Look in verse 10. Do not fear their gods. Well, if he is the Lord and he is enough, you wouldn't be ignoring those other gods because he is more than enough. God's word speaks of courage like a lot. But remember what got you here. What got them there? Look at the tail end of verse 10. In whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why are you here? Hello, why are you here? Because you have not obeyed my voice. So it sounds like he's setting them up to go, I'm going to take care of it. Don't worry about it. I'm going to, it's all going to be good. The reckoning and the lesson hasn't been learned yet. There's an apex to this whole message coming up. I do not want you to miss this part. <clears throat> Remember what got you here in verse 10. Verse 11 starts, it says, And the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which I saw in Ophrah. So the angel of the Lord here means messenger, but the language points to this being the Lord himself. We are not going to take the time, but we see it in verse 14, verse 16, Verse 23, verse 25, and verse 27. The Lord supernaturally directs Gideon with encouragement and a plan. Here's the question. Here's the setting. How will he receive it? We've heard pastors and preachers say this through years, that God has a wonderful plan for your life. And, and people would amen that, but most people go, okay, what is it? I don't, I don't know. I'm not God. I can't know his plan for your life. But I do know this, that he wants us to live by faith. And how do you receive his plan? So he's getting ready to give the plan. How will it be received to the nation of Israel? What you're going to see, it's, it's received with reluctance. So when God shows himself to you, how do you receive it? Oh, I know when it's God's hand moving all the time, and I'm right in there. Odds are, we don't know when God's moving. We, we, give, we give God's credit to other things. Coincidence, happenstance. He's the Lord. He's sovereign. He, sh he will show you yourself that you didn't know about. He will, he will bring you along. He will show you, but a lot of times we meet his hand. We ask for him to move. Then when he does, we, he, we meet it with reluctance. Saw a little short video this week of a guy going, I want to believe in Jesus. Okay, Jesus, show up. See nothing. See nothing. He's not going to jump through your hoops. He doesn't have to jump through your hoops. And if he did, you would move the hoop anyways. Ooh, you did that for me? Hey, jump over here. Hey, jump over here. He's not. That's our God. Do not meet him with reluctance. Israel met them with reluctance. Why? Look in verse 13. Gideon said to him, Oh, Lord, <clears throat> oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers foretold us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Here is the, I want you to grab a hold of this one. Why? Why? I've been asked that question a lot. You've 
thought the question. I thought the question a lot. We spend weeks in grief share on that question of God, why? Why did this happen? Why? Why, why, why? We want to know why so much as if knowing the answer would make it more palatable or if knowing the answer would we go, oh, okay. Why? Have you ever asked that question? I've had a pastor once say this, that the Bible answers every question except for one, and that is why. But I think the Bible does answer the why. He, he does answer the why. In fact, Gideon's getting ready to get a, get a little taste of it here. Here's my question to you. Have you ever asked God why? I think it's fair to say we all have. Sometimes we ask out of doubt. Sometimes we ask why out of being inquisitive. Sometimes it's just inquisitive. God, I don't doubt you per se, but why? Just like, I wouldn't, like, why? But the bulk of the time, I believe it's out of doubt. But it's a familiar question. And sometimes we get the answer, sometimes we don't. The purpose of everything is to know God. That's the purpose, to know him. You got to know the purpose. The purpose of things is to know him, know who he is. And guess what? That's what he wants out of you, to know him and to make him known. Are you with me? There's your why. There's your why answer to why in the world, God, is this happening so that you can know me? But God, this isn't fair. But you're closer to me, aren't you? The Holy Spirit takes our heart and starts to do that work. And we start to let that thought this digest into us a little bit just to know him and you know what you'll find the more you trust him with the why the more comfort and grace and the more understanding you'll have of him because you're getting to know God not in a pill form you're getting to know him in a relationship way a relational way Ooh, that's a good one I'm gonna write that down that's what happened here with Gideon God didn't answer his question but he got closer to God. Look in verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Question mark. Go do this thing. I want you to go. I'm, I got you. I want you to go. Listen, has anybody ever come to you and asked you, Why does God let bad things happen to good people? That's happened, right? Are you with me? Give me a head nod or something. I'm going to make sure everybody's good. All right. That, and and I, I, that's the apex of what I want to share today is people don't like the outcome of, of the answer. And perhaps you don't know how to answer them. Write that down. That is the answer to why does this happen. Listen, I've been there and I have just even recently questioned like, God, I think enough's enough. When you see people terminally ill and you see things like this and you're going, God, I don't fully understand and, and I'm commanded to trust, and, and, and here I am. But is, isn't enough enough? Isn't, that's where it gets hard. That's when it gets real. That's when it gets real. And if you will stay on that line, you're going to know him. I want to be able to answer, give you an answer to that question of why. It's to know him. Verse 14, God said to him, trust and obey. Hello, you ever heard that before? Old timers, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Trust and obey. That is not only a catchy song. It's Bible. That is Bible. Are you laughing at me or with me? You were laughing at me. So verse 14, perhaps God doesn't answer our why question because we can't handle it. There's another one. Perhaps we wouldn't do anything because we're expecting an outcome because he already said of what's going to happen. My favorite answer is why he doesn't answer is because you might miss experiencing him. Reluctance. Verse 15, we see a reluctance again. So he said to them, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? God just told him to go, right? God just said go in verse 14. Have I not said, if God says go, you just go. And he answers, he's, there's his reluctance. How can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest among Manasseh, and I am the weakest in my father's house. Well, that sounds like some 
just lame talk right there. That's somebody trying to talk them out, talk themselves out of something or out of what God is up to. The reluctance again. He is pushing God's patience. God does much with little. If you need an example of what it is to have your patience pushed, drive down 32. Better yet, drive down old 74, right about my area, about rush hour time, and it will push your patience. When you, when you push God's patience, there's a difference between our patience being pushed and God's. Because we don't handle everything properly and right all the time. Example of that, see Carla's road rage. God's patience is perfect. Listen to that. Perfect patience. What does that mean? What does perfect patience mean? Does that mean perfect? Does perfect patience mean he's always going to be patient? Let me get by with whatever I want. That's not what it means. He's perfectly patient until it's a perfect time for the reckoning. God does much when little is it in it. I'm going to have uh, Spencer put on the screen 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, 27, just a reminder. In fact, this is how we'll conclude today. This is a reminder for us that we, though we meet with reluctance, Gideon's making excuses. He's coming up with, what, I'm the smallest, they're the smallest, this can't be done. Look at here, verse 26. For you, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, but not many mighty, not many noble are called. So not, not the polished people. I'm so grateful for that, that you didn't have to have, you don't have to have a certain uh, GPA, or you don't have to have a certain uh, charismatic personality and all these things in order for God to use you. Pastor Rick shares this all the time. The church discipled me. What's that mean? How did you learn and grow in your walk with the Lord from the church? The church is full of everyday people. Everyday people. We're not a polished, spit shine, polished kind of people here. Nor should we be. We're everyday people that are growing and learning. And we're watching each other grow and learn. And sometimes we lean on each other as we're supposed to do. Not many of um, the uh, verse 26, not many of the wise, not many. And I'm so grateful. Um, oh, I can't remember the, the famous person. Some dignitary shared this verse in verse 26 where they said, I'm so grateful for the letter M. I'm so grateful for the letter M. This dignitary said because not, not any wise, according to the flesh, not any mighty, uh, not any noble are called. This person was of nobility. It says, not many, not any. God can use us all, wants to use us all. Look at the next part of that verse. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Don't mess with God. Israel's people were being squeezed. They are being squeezed down. They met the reality. <clears throat> God is, talks about the, uh, the reckoning. And then they, but they meet God with a reluctance here. So whatever your excuse is, it probably falls in verse 26 and 27. You've got to push your excuse aside. That's weak. Especially when he says, go and I'm going to be with you, and you're still finding lame excuses on why you can't live for him. The response is awesome. In fact, we're going to look at one verse in verse 16. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. That's practically what happened. God had whittled down Gideon's army to where it was as if it was one man versus the numbers. And guess who won? Why? Verse 16, what do we see? The Lord was with him. You will defeat the Midianites. Let's take the back part of that verse and push it aside for a moment. Because you're not in that kind of battle. Your battle is for your own heart. It's for your own mind. You know what your battle is? Watch this. It's for your own finances. Your battle is for your home. Your battle, because the devil wants to use any and everything to get in here and disrupt what God is up to in your life. 
don't let him do it. We know the game plan. The game plan is not new. But God is with you. Honor him in these areas. Watch the reckoning happen. Don't meet him with reluctance. Let's bow for prayer. Can we do that? We want to take time this morning and allow for prayer. I want to take time and allow for um, <coughs> not just reflection, but application. That's our favorite word at Crosspoint, application. We want to apply these things and what it looks like. Three points. So one of us, someone in here may need that reality. Where am I at really in my heart? Some of us, God is, is settling the account, the reckoning, and we don't like it. We may need to lay that before him. May we not be reluctant. Whatever one of those, those three areas, or maybe all three, we just need to come and lay before our God. Dear Lord, take this invitation time and make it your own. We're here to pray. Andrew's going to lead us in a song, and as we sing a song, May we just be as genuine with you, as genuine and raw as we know how, and then when we fall short, Holy Spirit, you bring us that much further. Yep. I lift this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with Andrew as he leads us in this song? Won't you come? Time for prayer. Time, I'll pray with you. Or even time to say, let's have a conversation, bigger conversation, maybe at a later time. Andrew, won't you lead us? Walk with the Lord in the light of His Word. What a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still. And Just for a moment, please. As the ushers come and get in their places at this time, we'll receive the offering for the uh, Thanksgiving banquet. And as Pastor Scott mentioned, we'll be doing this for the next several uh, weeks. And uh, 
I know this was kind of the first first announcement of it, so uh, give unto the Lord and, and uh, perhaps maybe be prepared next week. We'll pray for the offering, and then while they're uh, going back through the back, uh, I'll be giving a few announcements to end the service this morning. So let's pray and ask the blessing on the offering. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the word that went forth this morning. May we each uh, just learn to rely on you, trust you for what we are commissioned to do as believers, Lord, and that is to uh, trust you, lean on you, and then follow you as you would have us to, Father. We pray that you'd be with us throughout this day. Bless the Thanksgiving offering that uh, those that give, and and, uh, we just might be able to have a great time of uh, celebration on that Thanksgiving banquet night. We thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as the uh, ushers are going back through the the back, I want to call your attention. We're in November, so we have a new uh, announcement sheet. So be sure to pick one of those up at the Welcome Center. It's got all the uh, November announcements in it. We've got a lot of activities coming up. I did want to mention, you know, we think that uh, the Christmas shoebox, Samaritan's Purse Christmas shoebox is uh, quite a ways away. you know, it's 10 days from today that we need to have those in. So I believe there, uh, uh, Christina told me there was like 30-some boxes back there, and that would help us to reach our goal of 120. So that would be a great thing. So if you haven't taken one yet, be sure to do so, and, uh, you know, it'll be a great, a great thing. Also, one last announcement for our Fall Fest today, 3 to 6 p.m., Pastor Scott mentioned that, we still need a little bit of uh, help set up uh, right after church, so we're going to put our chairs away for the uh, WANA uh, on Wednesday, and then if you're able to give about 30 minutes for setup after that, that would be wonderful. If you if you can help, three to six, it's the fastest couple of uh, few hours that that uh, you know of uh, of your day. So come come up and help with that, and we'll have a great time. You'll see children and. Uh, adults alike enjoying what we're able to do for them as a community as a church for our community with that you are dismissed